Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Dr. Heidi Brocky. Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. She spent 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship. Then she broke the chains and has turned her past into her passion. Today, she's helped hundreds rid and heal their toxic relationships and hosts the popular podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. She's an international keynote speaker and the recipient of Empowering Women in Business of the Year Award by Inspiring Lives magazine. So I am super excited to welcome Heidi Brocky to the show. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's very exciting to have you. Now, obviously, this topic is very close to my own heart as the survivor of abuse. So I know you've got your own story that you went through before you became a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. So would you mind sharing for my audience what you've been through and what led you to do the work that you're doing today? Yeah, that's always a trick question, because if you've been through this, you know, the story isn't really quick. The stories are like, right? Yeah. Um, But the first thing I always want to make sure people know, because because my title is Dr. Heidi, um, I am not a licensed mental health professional. I am a chiropractor acupuncturist by trade. So I just like to say that because I don't want anybody to replace what I say with what their mental health professional has been doing. So I just like to preface it with that. Um, I am somebody who's been through it. Um, this is very, very um, passionate. This is my, this is my passion job, I guess. Um, if somebody would have told me I would be doing this, I would have never, ever be- believed them ever. Um, so long story short, uh, I was raised in a little tiny dairy farming Christian community um, in Bozeman, Montana. So that's out West in the United States. It's not very populated. Um, I saw the same people at church. I saw the same people at school. We saw, you know, everybody was the same. So it was this very tight knit community. And um, when I left to go to grad school, I think I really was under the assumption that everybody in the world operated like that. Um, And of course, now me looking back, I had, I mean, obviously, there were, there was not great people there also, but I just didn't see it at the time, you know? Um, and so I ended up, I ended up meeting my former husband while I was in grad school. I don't even know what happened. It was, I didn't want to go on a first date, but I was exhausted by the eighth time he asked me. So, okay, fine. We'll go on a first date. Didn't want to go on a second date. Okay, fine. All of a sudden I'm, I'm married with two kids. Wow. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, again, if, if you have listeners that want to know my story in, I mean, I will tell any of it. Um, 14 years later, I basically ran away. Um, by the time I ran away, we had a, we had a practice together. We had property together. Our daughters were highly competitive in, in rodeo. Um, so I had, I had a lot, I had a lot on my plate. I was 
hundred miles an hour, trying to keep him happy, keep conflict down, keep the money coming in. Really just not even being a mom to my girls, just making sure that, that I could sustain their life. You know, um, sadly they weren't treated really much better. Um, so we were, all three of us were in it at the same time. Um, I divorced him after 12 years and I was so excited to have divorce papers in my hand and nothing changed. Okay. I know that you're a divorce coach. I do a lot of divorce coaching through high conflict. Um, but I wanted out so bad. He wrote the paperwork and I agreed to it. Okay. So he wouldn't split any of the stuff. He gave me 50, 50, but wouldn't put a parenting plan in place. You know, so he, he basically gave me a divorce, but wouldn't change anything else. And I remember thinking, yeah, I have divorce papers. This is going to be so much better. And literally for two years, nothing changed. We had separate houses and that was literally it. I worked with him every day in our, in our chiropractic practice for two years. And, um, it started getting to where I started standing up for myself and things started getting dangerous and I was getting fearful for my life. And so I looked at my kids and I thought, you know, this is the only example that they have of a relationship. And this is the only example they have of a mother. And so I made the decision and I, I ran away. I signed my, I signed the practice over to him. I pretty much left everything. And I initially left my kids, uh, in which he kept them from me for five years. So I missed my daughter's basically teenage years because we didn't have a parenting plan in place. So we didn't have anything to hold us accountable. But since my goal was to heal and become the example that my daughters needed, I moved four hours South and I, I basically started my life over. And so I started a new chiropractic practice, which was kind of hilarious. I had to start a handbag company selling purses so that I could keep the doors to my chiropractic office open while, while it was building. Um, I so built, I, just, just a question. I mean, gosh, what a story. I mean, that, I mean, to, to have to go through that and then not see your daughters for five years is, I mean, the, the, the pain associated with that is, mm-hmm. is, you know, I mean, I just, yeah, it's incredible. Um, but were there no court procedures or there was no legal um, help that you could get to help you through that? No. And you know what? That's kind of a catch 22. I was very fearful of him and I had filed for divorce twice earlier um, over infidelity, which he never admitted to, but I had filed for divorce twice. And when I would refuse to drop the divorce papers or whatever, he would threaten me. So I would, so I would drop it, you know, and it's always easier to stay in familiar than to step into something that's unknown. And the thought of me having to either leave my kids there and me not being able to protect them or, um, you know, splitting up the family and me not being able to be there. I, I could not for the longest time allow myself to leave and hope that my kids would, would be okay when they were with them, with him. Um, and by the end, the, the only way he was going to let me out was if he wrote the divorce papers, we didn't have an attorney. And by that time I was like, fine. And he, he, he wasn't bad in the divorce papers. I still, I got 50% of everything, but, but he refused to officially divide it. So, you know, all our money still went to the same place. I'll, we still had to do taxes together because we owned a business together. So really what he did is he, he wrote the divorce papers in his favor. And, and for a long time, looking back, I thought, you know what? I'm not scared of him now. I wish I wasn't scared of him then because 
I would have, I would have done it differently. However, I walk, I am helping a lady right now that is on almost five and a half years of the divorce process. And when I look at her, I would do that again, because to me, I would rather start over and be able to be free and be free of him. You know, my goal in divorcing him was to get him out of my life. Mm. And so it, every situation depends when I coach, I absolutely do don't ever encourage people to do what I did. You know, now that I know so much more, yeah. I, I have the ability to, to direct people a lot better. And I, I mean, that, that's really insightful because, you know, often, you know, I don't advise people to do what I did because I, I'm teaching people, you know, I'm learning from my mistakes and saying, yeah, you don't yeah. want to do it that way. I can tell you now, either it's ridiculously expensive or it's ridiculously painful or you can't trust the system and, you know, all these things which I didn't know at the beginning. So quite often going through that horrific experience yourself really then is how you can, you know, learn from that and help others to avoid making the same mistakes that, that we made, right? So, I mean, that's really interesting. So, I mean, gosh, how did you cope with not seeing your kids for five years, Heidi? I mean, that must have been incredibly difficult. Uh, you know what? When people ask me that, I'd like to have an answer. I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I remember it was, it was literally the worst time of my life. Um, you know, there was circumstances too. You know, they were rodeoing. So they had their horses and stuff up there. I couldn't, me leaving with nothing but debt, I couldn't have afforded to keep them in that. Did they want me to leave? No. Did they understand why I was leaving? Absolutely. Um, however, they were just a, they were just as afraid of him as I am. And and you know, it is easier for people to have conflict with the people that they know love them than to have to have conflict with the toxic person. So we always cater to the toxic person. So I had to put myself back in their shoes because I was out of it. They were still in it. So I couldn't really be upset that they weren't contacting me or upset that they weren't trying to visit me because I didn't see my family and I didn't have friends when I was with them either. So I just, I had to understand that and hope that, that they would eventually see his true colors. And they did. And I left them at 13 and 11 and, um, they did the same thing I did at 17 and 19 and ran away. Wow. And they are 24 and 26 now. They're both on their own. They both have careers. They're both doing fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people worry about kids going through this and it's tough and we wouldn't wish this on, on any child, obviously, but sometimes you can harness a, a valuable life lesson out of this because if kids learn early on that these people exist, unlike you and me, right? You're talking about how you grew up in this community and you didn't see any of these things. And, you know, same for me. And I think when you, you know, when you have got, you know, maybe it's a degree of naivety, I don't, I don't know, or just lack of that worldly experience. And then you meet someone like this, it's very easy to get sort of suckered into that relationship and not see it for what it really is from the mm -hmm. beginning. So if kids can learn this lesson early on, then hopefully they can bank that and not make the same mistakes that mm -hmm. we do. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I carried a lot of guilt for a long time for leaving them. And a couple of years ago, I took my girls on our first ever vacation and they finally said, mom, no more, no more guilt. We know exactly why you left. And if you wouldn't have, we'd either all three still be there or we would be way, way worse off, yeah. you know? And, and I, when I, when I coach people too, through high conflict stuff, our natural instinct is to protect our kids, you know? And when I realized I couldn't even protect them when I was there. 
we have to make sure when the kids are 18, they get to pick the relationship that they have with, the, with this parent. And if, and if you've made excuses for their behavior and you've sugarcoated everything, they're not going to be able to make an educated decision. So, so you, you have to be able to, to allow them to see that, you know, this is, this is how he's always been. He's been this way for 25 years. This is who he is. You're going to have to accept it. And then the, the kids start going, oh, you're right. This is exact. He's done this before so that they can start processing it. You know, we don't talk bad about the other parent. You just say things like, that's just how he is. He's always, and then, and they start observing. Yeah. And I think there's a fine line between bad mouthing and just setting the facts mm-hmm. straight so that you're not gaslighting them or confusing them by condoning yep. what is, you know, unacceptable behavior. So I think that's a really important distinction. Uh, the emotional stress of going through the court process and fighting out that sort of divorce process that you avoided. I think that we don't talk enough about, you know, the emotional stress and strain and the cost to you as a human being um, of going through that process. And you talk then about a woman that's been doing it for five years. And I, and I see that in my clinic. We talk a lot about the financial costs, you know, and any legal professional will tell you these are the costs, but that's not the real cost, is it? I think the real cost is the emotional cost, which then, you know, can cause PTSD and all sorts of things that can last much, much longer. Is, is this what you're seeing too, Heidi? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I definitely had, I had PTSD and to this day, I mean, I've been out for 14 years and I still have, I still have triggers. Um, I've learned to work through them. I have, you know, exercises in place, but uh, I think one of the hardest things when people are going through a divorce uh, with a high conflict or toxic person, and you know what, I haven't, we haven't even had time for me to, to define toxic, but um, you know, you, it was kind of like me. You file for divorce and you think, oh good, I made that step because you've been really wanting to make that step and you finally do it. So you think, okay, great. Um, and then the divorce process, because when you file, that's really the only thing they can control you with. So it's never going to go, it's never going to go as planned. And then the divorce process takes over your life and the divorce process seems like it feels worse than just if you would have just stayed married, you know, yeah, because, because you think, oh good, I'm on my way. And then you realize uh, now we got to do this. So like when I work with people, I, I start the self-discovery stuff and I start, what do you want in your life? And, and what do you want? You know, what are your goals and what do you like? And what, so that the divorce process ends up being something that's going on in the background while they start rebuilding, because otherwise they feel like now I got to wait for this to be over before I can start my life. Yeah. Cause you know? it, is, it is all consuming when you're going through that with the, the letters and it's, the post-separation abuse that I think a lot of people don't realize is going to happen. And it does happen and it keeps going and going and all that gaslighting and lying and distorting the truth that all just shifts, as you say, into that legal mm-hmm. process, um, whether that's financial or with the kids or both. So yeah, I mean, that can cause huge amounts of stress. So, so yeah, I'd love to give you the opportunity to define what you mean by toxic relationships. What, what does that mean to you? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. 
Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. So yeah, I'd love to give you the opportunity to define what you mean by toxic relationships. What, what does that mean to you? So, I, so I've been a chiropractor for 25 years. Um, but about seven years ago, I wanted to start incorporating something else. I'm just going to give a little background of how I got into this. Uh, you know, when you start feeling stagnant in your job, okay, it's time to change something when you start feeling stagnant. So I decided I, I was going to start coaching. Um, I could adjust people in the dark with my eyes shut. So I knew I was going to either get burnt out if I didn't change something. So I started coaching and I thought, what could I coach in? And I started coaching in making yourself a priority because my former life, I was not a priority at all. And I thought that I can do. Um, and as people were coming to me for me to coach them in that, I found myself accidentally using examples from my former life. And, and I spent the first four years out not talking about it because I was in a new place. I was a mom without kids. I was a doctor without clients. I was like, it was, I was so misplaced in my identity that I didn't want anybody to know because it was, it was shameful to me to for one, what kind of mom leaves her kids, right? So I was very quiet. And when I would start giving examples, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be talking about this or not. Well, people were just sucking up this information. And so I hired a business coach because when you're a chiropractor, you don't need a business coach. If somebody hurts their neck and they come in, right? And so she said, of course, if you're going to coach, you, you're going to need a niche because every, everybody's coaching. And um, I told her I really felt like this, this abusive life that I had lived is really the only thing outside of healthcare that I had that would have been of value to anyone. And so she said, okay, good. That's what you're going to coach in. And I remember going, yeah, that is absolutely not what I'm coaching in. Um, but I started just putting some of the character traits of the toxic person and the behaviors of the toxic person onto my Facebook page. And it doubled in three months. So I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start this. And I chose the word toxic long before the word toxic was all over social media. Okay. So toxic by definition, it's not a diagnosis. Toxic is an adjective that's used to describe any relationship in the status that it's in that may be unhealthy for you. Okay. So for your listeners, since you're a divorce coach, when people hear about an unhealthy relationship or an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship, we immediately think intimate partner or spouse, you know, that's immediate, but toxic relationships can be in friendships, in coworker situations, they're in family dynamics, they're in social circles. And so, so the relationship that is defined by toxic can be any of those. And it could be anything from mildly toxic, like a bully on the playground, all the way up to, you know, the high conflict people that we see and we hear about in the news. And so um, what, what I started doing, and I never did this when I was in it because, and you, you mentioned that, that you had been through something like this. When you are standing in the middle of it, you don't understand it. 
you know, logically we might know that the situation isn't good for us, but as soon as our emotions get involved, it clouds our logic. So when I was in it, I had no idea what I was in. So when I started looking back, I realized that I spent 14 years paying attention to what he said and what he did. Because if I could, if I could keep track of what he said and what he did, then maybe I could stay one step ahead. You know, and so our attention is 100% on their behavior. And, and I started realizing, yeah, I paid attention to his behavior and never one time asked myself what was motivating his behavior. And as soon as I, you know, so I really started digging into this. And so that's, that's what I teach. We need to switch the perspective from what they're doing and what they're saying to why they're doing it, because it makes it so simple. And, and what motivates the toxic person, re regardless of what level or what dynamic the relationship is, what motivates the toxic person is they are seeking security in themselves. And you and I know, because we both have businesses and we, I, I'm assuming you have a family and you have the stuff that we put into our own life, you know, work is going good. We've got a great friend circle. Our kids are doing good in school. We've been at the gym three times a week. We look, we've lost five pounds. The things that we put into our own life is what makes us feel secure. Okay, the, the toxic personality cannot do that. It doesn't matter how much they put into their life. And some of them are very, hold, I mean, they, they hold very prestigious jobs. You know, some of them are very popular, but they can't put enough into their own life to make them feel secure. So they have to strategically place people in their life that supply them with the things that make them feel secure. And, and when I started figuring that out, my whole entire 14 years, I was like, you've, you've got to be kidding me because it, it's such a repetitive cycle. And once you understand it from that perspective, it's, it's so much different and you feel so much more empowered. So that's basically the, the avenue I teach because we land in these relationships because we have a good, kind, caring, loving, supportive, conflict avoidant, peacekeeping type of personality, right? So the toxic person targets people like us because they like control, power, attention, and admiration. And so you and I, we need to be able to spot this kind of stuff to protect us because we're going to attract another one if we're not careful. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's basically what I do. And I do, a, you know, a lot of the, like I said, the self-discovery because we feel like, yay, we're out. Now life is going to get better. And then we stand there and, and don't know what to do. I mean, it's great advice to look for their motivation, because I think if you can really see it as um, a bit of a game that they're playing and, and whether we like it or not, you're in it and everyone they know is in that game with them. So understanding the rules of that game and then mastering them to enable you to be a couple of steps ahead at all times also helps you to, to disassociate a little bit from the impact of that, that behavior mm -hmm. and you know see it for what it is. So I, I totally agree. It's really good advice. So you, know, you were talking there a little bit about how that behavior can impact us. What, what are the things that you see with your clients? How does that impact you when you've been in a toxic relationship? I mean, a lot of people might be thinking, well, am I in a toxic relationship? How, how would I know that I, this is toxic or not? So, so this is the tricky part because it is such a, it's such a slow drip, okay? Being in a toxic relationship is much like walking into a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away right? That doesn't mean the room doesn't stink. It just means your body has desensitized you to the smell. So you don't really realize how stinky it is until you go outside. 
you know, um, the one thing that is congruent through the toxic personality is almost all of them are emotionally abusive. Okay. And what emotional abuse means is if they can say or do something that will get an emotional reaction out of you, they feel in control, which makes them feel secure. Okay, so if they can say or do something to make you happy, to make you sad, to make you upset, to make you cry, to make you frustrated, to make you feel guilty, they know that all they have to do is say something that makes you feel guilty to get you to do what they want, which makes them feel secure. So when you're asking about, you know, how all of a sudden do we end up in these? It's, it's a very slow process, but when, when they're criticizing us and they're telling us how we should think and they're telling us, you know, how we should feel, we start becoming very emotionally dependent on them for acceptance. So we're always looking to them for our emotional stability because we always want to be accepted by them. And so as time goes on, we don't realize we've left the control of our own emotions and allowed them to take control of them. You know, because let's just take criticism, for example. Uh, those of you who've been in a toxic situation, I remember some of the criticisms I got and I remember going, where did that even come from? Because like in my head, I feel like that's not true at all. But as soon as you hear them say it, you're either upset or you're sad or you're embarrassed. And immediately we go, well, if they think that, that means I have to fix it, right? And we start worrying so much about what they think about us that immediately the rest of the world goes away. So our emotional support systems go away and we literally sit there and go, am I doing good? Am I doing good enough? Did I do good enough today? And of course they go, no, you should try harder. So we, we really spend our life on a treadmill hoping we can just be enough to get their approval. And because it's such a slow drip, you, you, don't, you don't realize it until you're so emotionally you know, intertwined with them that, that they're yeah. leaving you know, is, is very scary. And it is scary. And then when you get out, obviously the impact of being in that toxic relationship is that you may be isolated from friends and family. Your confidence may be low. You may have very limited resources as you, you experience. So what would be your top couple of tips, Heidi, for people listening? If they're in that situation, how do you rebuild once you're out of that toxic relationship? Okay. So, so one of the hardest things, um, I think that, you know, I think leaving is hard. Being in the relationship is hard, leaving is hard, but I really felt like finding my identity back was hard because I always, you know, when he was in the room, I was a wife. When my kids were in the room, I was a mom. When I was in my office, I was a doctor. And when all of that went away and I was in a room by myself, I had no, I had no idea who I was. And so I had to realize that, you know, I was so programmed to have my attention on him for so many years. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't, I couldn't even order off of a menu when I left. And it wasn't because he was telling me what to eat. He would say, how come you're having chicken? Or don't you think that's too expensive? So I learned to avoid conflict and criticism, to wait to see what he ordered, to see what price range. And then I ended up with something that I didn't even want to eat. So what I found is he had me questioning my decision-making ability so much that for me to make a decision was, was very, very stressful. You know, so, so I had to one, learn to just make a decision. A toxic person 
basically trains you that if you make the wrong decision, a firing squad's going to show up. And so we, we just don't make a decision because what if it's the wrong one? And so I had to learn. I just have to make a decision. And if it's the wrong one, I'll just make another one. And you know what? I have made some wrong decisions, but a firing squad didn't show up and I just made another one and everything was fine. So, so the, <laughs> I love that firing squad's going to turn up. It does feel like that. It really does. So, so the decision-making thing, just, just make it. And if, if you are having trouble making small decisions, hang a blue shirt up and hang a red shirt up and just pick one. Go to the store and buy a different brand of peanut butter because you're going to realize if you get it home and you don't like it, throw it away. Go back to the store and buy the brand you like. Like it's, it's not that big a deal. Uh, the other thing that I really had trouble doing is I felt selfish taking care of myself. Anything I would, I would do for myself, you know, I felt really selfish. So I had to really, really push to make myself a priority. I had gone years without keeping up with my doctor's appointments, um, dentist appointments. I didn't have any hobbies because he basically made me quit them. And so I, I kind of floated around doing what other people were doing because, because my identity wasn't there. So I had to really, this was so hard. I, I just started saying yes to everything. You know, oh, I've never done yoga. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, I've never done this. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, I ended up bodybuilding. I ended up getting my pro card in bodybuilding. And, and it, it wasn't that I loved all this stuff, but it made me realize that, oh, just try it. If you don't like it, who cares? You know, and it, it really helped my, my confidence in, in learning that if I put myself out there, people do actually like me. And at the end of the day, if they don't, so what? You know, that, and that was the other thing. So one thing is push yourself to make decisions. The other thing would be push yourself to try stuff. You know, courage is the heart to act in spite of fear, not in the absence of it. And usually when you push through courage and you'll agree with me, you look back and you go, oh, I guess that really wasn't even that scary. So I encourage people to step out of your box. And, and then I think the, the other thing is it is, the toxic person has programmed you to react the way they need you to react so that they get what they need. So all it really is, is a reprogramming. You have to remember that this is not something that's wrong with you. This is something that happened to you. And if they can program you one way, you can program yourself the opposite way. So a lot of conscious effort when all of a sudden your mind's going, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what the, you know, wonder who they're with. I want, you can, you can literally have to go, I'm not spending my time and energy on that. We're going to do this instead. And, you know, you may have to do that a hundred times a day, but it is, it is just a reprogramming because your brain is just doing what it was trained to do. So we just retrain it to focus your attention somewhere else. And it's frustrating. The healing process is so frustrating because you think you're doing good. And then Wednesday shows up and it's a bad day and you feel like, you know, um, so it's, it is a long process, but the focus is on, you know, is on you for sure. I love that. I think it's really empowering advice because, you know, you do control your own life now and, and that's daunting and it's scary, but learning to have the freedom just to be you is a real gift. And if you can grab that with both hands and like you say, just say yes and try things. If you don't like it, so what? Yeah, I think that's that's really great advice, Heidi. So for people listening, you know, who are thinking, gosh, I, I'd really like to find out more about Heidi. Where, where can they find more out about your work and what you do? 
Uh, well, my website is coachingwithdrheidi.com and I have a podcast as well. Um, it's like yours. It's on all the major platforms. It's called, it's not normal. It's toxic. Um, I do have a support group, a private support group on Facebook for those who don't have a community. Uh, as you know, trying to explain this to somebody who hasn't been through it, you know, you get, you get things like, oh, if it's that bad, why don't you leave? And you're like, yeah, because I haven't thought about that, but every day in the last 12 years. Um, so it's really nice to, you know, kind of have a community. Um, for those of you who are interested, I turned 50 years old last week and my most birthday. Oh, thank you. I didn't want to have that birthday, but the only reason I'm mentioning that was I did a podcast on my birthday and it, it was 50 things that I've learned in the last decade because the last decade was really my healing. And, and it, it just, the last decade was a lot of work. And when I was doing that podcast and I'm recording it, I'm thinking, wow, I cannot, I cannot believe looking back that I've come this far because every day it's sometimes it still feels like a struggle. So, so for those of you who are working through it and healing, you might like that podcast because it's literally 50 quotes that I have kind of adopted. So it's kind of fun. No, I love it. I love it. Well, excellent. Thank you so much. I'm sure my listeners would love to check that one out. Also, I have one last question for you that I ask all my guests to come on my podcast. The podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you when you're going through really tough times, especially so you can tap into it from time to time along that difficult journey. So what, Heidi, is happiness for you? So, so I have two, okay? My happiness showed up when I decided to be myself you know, unapologetically myself. I used to be the one that walked in a room and hoped somebody liked me. Now I'm the one that walks into a room and I hope somebody in there, I hope I like somebody in there. <laughs> so, so me being able to just be myself and not have to worry what other people think is huge. And I have been happily remarried for 10 years and my hot husband is my happiness. Oh, I love that. Well, there's a happy ending there. So thank you so much. I mean, thank you for your advice. I think a lot of people listening would have really benefited from all the tips and everything you've shared with us. And your story certainly is inspiring. So Heidi, thank you so much for being a fabulous guest. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to coachingwithdrheidi.com for more information about Heidi and all her work and her podcast. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.